So what is our theme for this year? Pass it on. Pass it on. And the idea behind it is that there is something you have, there is something I have that must not stay with me and must not stay with you. Are you, are you listening? There is something you have that must not stay with you. And that if it stays with you by the time we are finishing this year, you are sinning. You are sinning. It must not stay with you because you have to pass it on to somebody else. Do you get it? That's our theme for the year. Whatever it is, something that God has given you, you have to pass it on to somebody else. And our journey this year is to constantly identify who that somebody else is to pass it on. So I will be doing that personally. We already started. And I'm going to challenge you to also be doing that. And I'll be working together with every one of us to help us pass it on. Okay? So that's our theme for this year. Shall we pray? Close your eyes, let's pray. I didn't say close your eyes and sleep. Don't be like me when I was like you, when I went to church and the preaching is about to start and I start to sleep. Don't do that. Close your eyes and talk to God. And say, Lord, speak to me. In the next few minutes that we have, let me hear your voice. Speak to me, Lord. Holy Spirit, unblock our ears and open our hearts to understand spiritual truths. In the name of Jesus, speak to us in ways that will make sense to us. I bind every spirit of darkness that will try to distract us. In the name of Jesus, I deny you of your power. And I decree that the word of God will have free course in this place. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want a volunteer to read us. So when I say volunteer, I mean the youth. One of you to volunteer to read our scripture for us. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Emmanuel. And then I have a longer scripture that you will read. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Uh-huh. Shared the faith that first found your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that some faith continues strong in you. Same faith. Oh shoot, same faith continues strong in you. Amen. Oh shoot, is not in in there, is it? <laughs> All right. I remember your genuine faith. Genuine. What what does genuine mean? What's the opposite of something that's genuine? Fake. Right? Fake. So something that's genuine is what? Real. So if there is a description of somebody's faith to be genuine, could there be a description of another person's faith to be fake? Yes. 
there cannot be genuine dollars if there is not fake dollars. Okay? It is the existence of the fake that makes the description of the genuine important. Are you with me? So he says, I remember your genuine faith, real faith, true faith, not fake. You know, fake faith is what is going to surprise a lot of people on Judgment Day. When they will say to Jesus, I did this in your name, I did this in your name, I did this. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. you know, that's fake faith. Fake faith has no works with it. It says that I love Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but does not do what Jesus says. That's fake faith. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do what I say? That's fake faith. True faith in James chapter 2, it says that, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. So if I say I believe in Jesus, I don't have to even tell you, you can't see by the way I live that I am different. Do you get it? That is true faith. Fake faith is on the lips. You dress nicely, like a saint, like a you know, suit, nice tie, everything, worship, sing, raise up your hands, whatever. But the heart is not affected. That is fake faith. But genuine faith, oh, I pray God will give you genuine faith. Real faith. It's not easy when you go to buy something and they deceive you and give you fake. Right? So he said, I remember your genuine faith, which was first where? Where was the first, what was the genuine faith? In his grandmother, Lois. So there was something that the grandmother had that she was not supposed to keep it with her alone. She was supposed to pass it on. And she would have been sinning if she didn't pass it on. The faith that Timothy had that Paul was talking about and said, this is genuine faith in you. Paul could trace it and say that this thing in you, it began in your grandmother. And she passed it on to who? Your mother, Eunice, she passed it on. And your mother also didn't keep it to herself. She also passed it on to you. That's how come you have it. Not because you are too super something. He was trying to tell Timothy, you are not super whatever. Somebody passed it on to you. And you also must pass it on to somebody else. And so if you read the whole 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Somewhere in those two books, Paul talks up to Timothy and says that the things that I am teaching you, you also commit to faithful men. Teach it to other people. Pass it on to other people. So the whole year, all we are going to do is to find what is it that Jesus has put in me that must not stay with me. I should not go to the grave with it in me. I shouldn't. I have to leave this earth knowing that I have passed it on to somebody. Amen? Do you understand the theme for the year? Pass it on. I've almost finished preaching. 
I hope you understand the preaching. It's very simple, isn't it? Even Liz can come and preach it for me. Right. Now, let's watch this video. Let's watch this video and then we'll read, Liz will read a long scripture for me. <laughs> okay, let's get the lights. Hi, my name is Stacey and I'm from <laughs> My family's Christian. I didn't get I didn't get where you'd go to be like, yeah, I believe in this guy that was alive, but he's not now and it just didn't make sense in my head. And then I went to this camp when I was 14 and they read us the story of the crucifixion of Jesus and it made me realise for the first time that he wasn't just a nobody that lived but that he had this mad love for me and this expression of love on the cross and I've been searching for something to hold on to like that for two years and I hadn't found it until they read us that story. So I decided to go for coffee with my friend like just before school started and she was like, oh how's your summer? And then I decided to tell her about everything that had happened, all the healing that had taken place in my life, everything that had, had really changed. And originally I was kind of freaking out inwardly because I was like, I don't know how she's going to react to this. But like the more I talked and the more I went on, the more she kind of like warmed to it and she was like, that's actually really cool. And like, that's so amazing. Like, I'm really happy for you. So yeah, so I decided that that was how I was going to do it. Like, I was not going to get up in the corner and be like, guys, I'm Christian. Like, everyone, listen. Like, because they, I knew they were responsible for things like that. I think so often we're just like, okay, you need to find exactly the right moment, the right place, the right time, and you kind of like try and create this like perfect moment to tell them about Jesus, but actually you don't need to do that because prayer is really powerful. And I found that when I've prayed, stuff has always happened. So if you have people that you really want to lead to faith in, and you want an opportunity to like speak about it with, and just pray, just say, Jesus, like, will you create an opportunity for me? Will you, will you give me a moment when I, can, when I can share my faith with them? And when you do that, the opportunities do arise. And, and people do get brought to faith because ultimately, like, as much as you want them to know God, God wants to know them. Okay, let's go to the light. Liz, can you read for me? Okay. And I need you to read loudly and clearly. Okay. John 1, 35 to 49. The following day, John was again, again, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rab, 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 Rabbi, yep. which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed, and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. 
Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, looking intensely at Simon. Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. Philip was the best. Philip was from 44. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, We have found the very, pers- the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached Jesus, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Amen. Thanks. That's 49. Thank you, Liz. That was good reading. How many of you think Liz should be our official Bible reader? If she wants. Okay, and then we'll have her recruit Nana and some other people. All right. Thanks, Liz, for reading it. Now, quickly, because we have to close very soon. You know, I was surprised when I took a closer look at this scripture. Because I used to think that Jesus, when he wanted his disciples, right, that he went out and said, you follow me, you follow me, you follow me, you follow me, you follow me. And that's how he got all his 12 disciples. How many of you were thinking like that too? Like I wasn't the only one, right? That's how I used to think until I took a closer look at this scripture. and I was like, boy, wait a minute. Actually, part of Jesus' disciples, he didn't go out saying, you follow me, you know. First of all, what happened? John the Baptist, you know John the Baptist, right? The guy baptizing in the river. Are you with me? Eyeball to eyeball. I want to see you looking at my handsome face. I think I'm handsome enough for you to stare at, right? So look at me. Please, look at me. So John the Baptist was baptizing people by the river. And John the Baptist had his disciples, Right? He had people that he, he had passed some things to them. So they were his disciples. Now, how many of you think that for somebody to be your disciple, you already have a strong relationship with that person? Right? I mean, you, you're constantly pouring into that person. So you already have a relationship with that person. And so John the Baptist sees Jesus. Now, his disciples don't know Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is. But John the Baptist has a revelation and sees. Remember, he asks the Holy Spirit, who is he? And the Holy Spirit says, the one on whom the dove will descend on, he is the one. And John the Baptist saw heavens open and he saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on Jesus. And he realized that this Jesus who's just come for me to baptize him, he's not just an ordinary human being. He's actually the son of God, the savior of the world. Right? So John the Baptist received something about who Jesus was. And it would be sin for it to stay with him. So he turns to his disciples, two of them, who he had built a relationship with. And he says, look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the two of the disciples, one of them is Andrew. They immediately go and follow Jesus. 
Now, you know, when we talk about evangelism or reaching out or talking to people about Jesus, immediately we all get scared, not you alone, including myself, because, you know, it's not easy going to talk to people you have no relationship with. You don't know them from anywhere. You're going to talk to them about what? Right? Sometimes you, even, you go somewhere and you are lost. To even pause to ask somebody for directions, if you're a shy person like myself, is difficult. Right? Much less to talk about religion. Huh. But how many of you think it was an easy thing, something that John the Baptist didn't even worry about to talk to his disciples to follow Jesus? Very easy. Right? Because he already had a relationship with them. He knew them. He has been talking to them. They were his folks. Hey, there is Jesus. Go follow him. And so the two, Andrew and the other disciple, whom the Bible doesn't mention, but some believe was John, John, the one who wrote the book of John. Because in the book of John, John never writes his name. He usually would put the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right? He never writes his name. And so the other disciples, Andrew and this other disciple, follow Jesus. And Jesus, so Jesus didn't call them. Somebody told them about Jesus. And it wasn't that he just told anybody. He told people he knew. And they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and looked at him and, and um, saw them following, verse 38. And Jesus said, what do you want? Like, why are you following me? What do you want? And they said, where do you stay? They want to go to his home. Amazing things happen when people come to your home. And they want to go to your home. So when they went to their home, Jade and I with me, they went to Jesus' home around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, it says. Right? Verse 39. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They went to Jesus' home where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. I mean, I wish I was there. Man, to be with Jesus in his home and be talking and be having fellowship. Amazing thing. But all that would not have happened if John kept what he saw to himself. He passed it on. Right? And now Andrew... Also now, having had some interaction with Jesus, had received something that it will be sin for him to keep to himself. So he also goes to want to pass it on. Now, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So Andrew remembers, wait a minute, I have a brother. His brother was Peter. You know, if you know Peter, right? You know Simon Peter? The guy who said to Jesus, if everybody denies you, I will not deny you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows, you will deny me thrice. That guy, the guy who always was talking. He was Andrew's brother. And Andrew said, no, I have a brother. He must hear of this man because I have just had interaction with him. It's too good for me to keep it to myself. So he goes to his brother. Do you think Andrew would be struggling to talk to his brother about Jesus? No, he's his brother. He talks to his brother. You know, he has interaction with his brother. There's no whatever. It's my own brother, like my cousin or my, my whatever. A family. Right? And he says, what? What does he say? Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah. There is no way Peter would have come because Jesus didn't go to call him. But Andrew passed it on. And when Andrew did, he brought Simon to meet Jesus. He brought him to meet Jesus. And looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of... You know what Simon means? Simon means sand. Right? Sand. And Jesus changes his name from Simon to Peter. Peter means rock. 
Jesus in, in, indirectly was telling him, you cannot build your faith on a sand. You need to build it on a rock. He changes his name because he had met Jesus. Right? The next day, Jesus goes to Galilee and he finds Philip. So this one, Jesus goes and he finds Philip. But what shocked me was, you know, Galilee, there's not, how many of you know Galilee doesn't have only Philip there? Right? There are many other people there. How come it was Philip that Jesus called? As I thought about this, I realized Jesus was revealing something to us about reaching out. Philip, where was Philip from? Philip was from the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Already Andrew had come to Jesus. He had brought his brother Peter. And so when Jesus goes to Galilee looking for somebody, who does he look for? He looks for somebody who already has a connection with Andrew and Peter. Somebody who, who Andrew and Peter can easily relate with. Somebody who, when he realizes who Jesus is and sees Andrew and Peter following Jesus, that person will not be intimidated and say, oh, I know these guys. They are in my hometown. I know them. I can also join these, goals, these guys. You know, it's not easy to join a group when nobody there knows you. I mean, how many of you have felt that way? You go to a, you join a new school, you join a new class, and nobody knows you. Right? It feels awkward. But the moment you realize, oh, I know this friend. I know. It's like the very first person you go to, you actually probably will try to sit beside that. Because that's who we are. We are made to relate to people. And it's so difficult when you are in a group of people where nobody knows you, nobody talks to you. I mean, nobody wants to stay there. And Jesus knew that. So he didn't just call the random person to come follow him. He looked for Philip because he knew Philip was from the same hometown as Andrew and Peter. And chances of him staying with him is high. Because when he comes, he knows them. And remember, if you've been to Israel, I've not been there, but they tell me. And you can see it on the map. It's a very small place. Right? Very small place. So a place like Galilee, very small. It's a hometown. They would all know each other. I mean, I work in Brantford. Okay, and, and in a place like Brantford, which is not so much of a small city, but compared to Toronto, it is, people know each other. And then just 30 minutes from Brantford is a, a, a village or town or whatever called Waterford, Waterford. That place, I think it's about 2,000, the population about 2,000 or 2,500. They all know each other. And I imagine Galilee to be a place like that, where they all know each other. And so Philip will not feel out of place. Now Philip has received it. And what does he do? He goes out looking for his friend, Nathaniel. Somebody he knows. Somebody he already has a relationship with. Not like just going to look for random people saying, come follow Jesus. But somebody he already has some relationship with. And he calls Nathaniel and says to him, we have found the person whom Moses wrote about. And he talks about Jesus to his friend. It's not difficult because to, Nath to, to Philip, Nathaniel is his friend. He already talks to him. Probably they went fishing together or they did something together. What is the point here? John the Baptist reached two of his disciples, Andrew and the other disciple. 
Andrew reached his brother, Simon Peter. Then Jesus called Philip, who was related to Andrew and Simon by hometown. When Philip reached his friend, Nathaniel, what we see in all of these is a certain intentionality to begin to evangelize where it is easiest because of relationship. And that's what we're going to do this year. You know, all of you, as you all see that here, who is here who has no friend? Everyone has a friend. Right? Everyone has a friend. And then, maybe I should ask the first question, who is here who has no family? No family. Right? Everybody has a family. You have brothers. You have sisters. You have cousins. How many of you have cousins? You have cousins, right? You have cousins. How many of us have cousins who you know, if they should die today, you really doubt that they'll go to heaven? Right? You do have. You do have cousins. You do have relatives, far or near, who you know, probably they don't really know Jesus. Maybe they go to church, but it's just once in a while, or they just go for going sake, but they really don't have a relationship with Jesus. We all do. You know, and why scare ourselves going to talk to random people that we don't know? Can we start where it's easy? Right? We can start where it's easy. Just like Jesus did. I mean, Jesus, the son of God, could have just walked to town and talked to random people. But he started where it was easy. Through relationship. So I want us this year, watch this video. Actually, no, let's watch this video before I conclude. Okay? Hi, I'm Zoe and I'm from North East London. So the first person I invited to church was my best friend and she's been at that church ever since and she's now working for the church. That's a very exciting success story with evangelism. There were other people that I invited that really didn't want to come and there was a few that came once and then didn't come back. But it was okay because I just asked and there's, you can't lose anything from asking. Ultimately, you've just got to pray about who you think God wants you to invite and keep praying. Maybe pray for one person in particular that you just have a heart for, you just really want to see them get to know Jesus. And then I would say, just ask them, say, do you fancy coming to you? Do you fancy coming to church? And see what they say because you've actually got nothing to lose. Something I started doing was inviting people to church on text or on Facebook, and it started with a few people that I'd already invited to church. And then I started adding more people to the group that I just really wanted to invite. And it made it a lot easier for them to know they'd feel comfortable at church because they knew people that were there already. So it just created a very comfortable and open environment for them to walk into. So I think when it comes to sharing your faith, the most important part is prayer. On the tube on the way to school, I just ask God for specific moments with specific people, just moments that can open up a conversation with them. 
and I'd get to the end of the day and just be like, oh yeah, actually I did get to share my faith today and that was really exciting. I think for me, knowing the difference that Jesus has made in my life just made me think, why wouldn't I share that with other people, the people that I know and the people I love, and actually the really exciting things that when I watch other people get to know Jesus and just be changed by God, my faith grows as well. All it starts with is just taking a risk and inviting that one person, and it can just be an amazing chain reaction. Okay. Right. So, what we're going to do this year We're going to reach others through the power of strong relationships, okay? Strong relationships. And I want you, as we go from here today, begin to think in your family, in your family, who is it in my family maybe knows God, maybe doesn't know God? Or who, ah, I know this one doesn't know God at all. Like, look at their lifestyle and everything, mm -mm. right? Write your name down in your family. Begin to pray about that person. Jesus, I want you to reveal yourself to this cousin, this brother, this nephew, niece, uncle, auntie, whatever. Write your name down. And then you do the same for your friends, particularly even your close friends, people that are close to you, you know, I know there are some of you, your close friends are not necessarily people who go to church. And that's fine. Right? When Philip was going to get Nathaniel, Nathaniel wasn't following Jesus, but he was his very close friend. So, who are those close friends I have who really don't know Jesus? Write down their names. Begin to pray for them. And then friends by association. So you're putting a project, you're working with somebody, through that you have a friend. Or sports, you're playing some games in school, through that you have a friend, right? Or some other thing you are doing, you're going for dance practice, rehearsals here, or something, through that you have a friend. But you know that this friend doesn't know Jesus. Write down their name. Begin to pray for them. Okay? Can you do that? Can we do that this year? Right? We start from there. We begin to pray for them. And then, you saw the last video. You don't lose anything by asking. And find every opportunity to show who you are. We go for, we do a retreat. We go for camp. They come. Everyone is talking about how they went to Florida and how they went to this place and how they went to that place and they are trying to find out what did you do on the weekend. Don't say nothing. Say, I went to church. Right? I went to church. It's something. For somebody, it's strange. Who goes to church? But that, but that you said, I went to church. Oh, yesterday I was at church. It was great. We're talking about this. Da, 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 da. You're not like throwing the gospel to the person, but you're giving a window for the person to realize the kind of person you are. 
And before you know, they may be talking to you about something that you're struggling with. Right? With no pressure on you, you get an opportunity to invite someone. Say, hey, you know what? And that's, that's something that one of you did. The person is not here. One of you did. And now her friend is getting close to Jesus. Her friend was struggling with something. And she told her friend, you know what? Talk to my youth pastor. She called me and said, my friend is struggling almost on the border of suicide. Can you talk to her? I said, sure, give her my number. Many conversations, prayer times, whatever, guiding her, everything. This year, I messaged her and said, whatever it was that when we started talking about you were struggling with, how is it now? And she said, from the first day we started talking, I've never had that again. And she's visited us a couple times. But it was through a friend. And so this year, I personally want to, I mean, I want to know everybody's home. All of you, where you stay. So I will be visiting every one of you throughout the year. I'll do it one at a time. For real. For real. You'll give me the wrong address. You'll give me the wrong address. I will come, I will come and visit you. You know, because... What was, what was their names? Andrew and the other disciple. Where did they go when they were following Jesus? They went to his home, right? So I'll come to your homes. And it will even be better when I come to your home when your friend is there, when your family um, friend is there or your family member is there, somebody who doesn't know Jesus is there. We have nice conversation about life, about school. And you know I can talk about school stuff because I know a little bit about some school stuff. Right? <laughs> You're going to give me the wrong address. But I'll tell you why I want to come to your homes. I want to come to your homes not because of you. Like, I care about you guys, but not so much as you think. Jesus cares about you more than I do. Right? That's powerful. <laughs> Are you listening? Guys, I'm wrapping up. Are you listening? I said I care about you, but not so much as you think. Because Jesus cares about you more than I do. The reason I want to come to your home is, one, I want to meet your parents and the rest of your family. Because I don't know Beverly's parents. I want to meet them and the rest of the family and to also understand how best I can serve you, knowing everything about you. See, because if I don't know you very well, I can't serve you like I have to. Do you get it? That's one thing I saw with Jesus. He went to the homes of his disciple. Remember Peter, that, that same Simon? Jesus went to his home, and had he not gone to his home, 
he wouldn't have known that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. So he could be there and telling Peter, do this and do that and come to rehearsal and come here and do this. But he wouldn't know that Peter in his mind is worried about his mother-in-law who is about to die. But when he went to his home, he saw that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. And what did Jesus do? He prayed for her and she was healed. Okay? So, like this, this person I was talking to you about, I want to visit her. It's my plan to. Because as I talked, I realized that there are other people in her home that might need help. You know? So, but on a more serious note, I want to visit you because I want to know you and know your family. So that I can know who you really are. How many of you will invite me to your home? If you don't invite me, I'll invite myself. <laughs> yeah. You see, exactly. That's, that's exactly what's going to happen. Because... I have your addresses. You might as well schedule it with me and I give you a time and you can prepare for me to come. Or you just hear a knock, cock, 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 and there I am. And you know what I'll say? You know what I'll say? Guys, listen. I'll just say, oh, I was just passing through the neighborhood and I decided to say hi. Right? Let's be on our feet. Have you learned something today? Now, next week, next week, God willing, next week, God willing, we will walk through how best we can engage in a conversation about Jesus. Okay? But I want you all, see, I'm with you in this. We're all scared when we say, let's share our faith. But I'm trying to show us that we shouldn't be, we can start at where it's easy for us. And I want you to close your eyes with me. I want you to close your eyes. Talk to God. Say that as I go home tonight, tell God that you will not sleep tonight without writing down. And I mean, if you don't mean it, don't say it. Okay, don't get a curse on yourself by lying to God. But if you mean it, say it. Say to Jesus, I will at least write down the name of one person that I will begin to pray for. Beginning from today. Talk to Jesus. And if I was you, and you know the name of that person, you write it down right after this prayer so you don't forget. That you write down the name of one person. Somebody that you already have a relationship with. You already have a relationship with. That you write, you write down the name of that person to talk to that person. Or to begin to pray for that person. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, if you pray that prayer, I want you to raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. You have given us something that we will be sinning if we hold on to it. And you have instructed us to pass it on. This year we are beginning where it is easy for us. People that we already know. That you already have brought them into our lives because you knew that we would know you and we'll have something to pass on to them. That's why you brought them into our lives. And as we have prayed to you and committed to begin to pray for these ones, help us to be faithful. To write down their names and to begin every day to pray for them to know you. And to find opportunities for us to talk to them about you. Help us. Where we are afraid, give us boldness. Where we are weak, give us strength. We rely on you, Holy Spirit. And all the blessing that you have promised for those who pass on what you have given to them, remember to bless us with in the name of Jesus. Now let me bless you. All of you raise your hands as I bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you. As we have entered into this new year, may the Lord give his angels charge over you to protect you everywhere you will go. May the mercy of the Lord keep you so that the Lord will be merciful to you even when you have sinned and continue to protect and cover you. May the Lord deliver you from evil in the name of Jesus. Anything that will make you fail in your school, may the Lord take it far from you and cause you to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. I rebuke every evil eye that looks at you with evil intent in the name of Jesus Christ. And I decree that the sword of the Lord will fight for you in the name of Jesus. From today, the angels of God will always be around you to protect you and shield you from evil. May the Holy Spirit give you boldness to stand up for Jesus that you should not be fearful in the name of Jesus. May your love for Jesus grow stronger and stronger. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. In the name of Jesus Christ, I have prayed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Shall we share the grace? Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. This anointing is an anointing to what? To pass it on. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will pass it on in Jesus' name. Amen.